on this episode of Progressive Palaver. The group discusses Marillion's latest album, Fear. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock groups, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I am once again joined by my very, very good friends, Paul Zotter and Ken Gregory. In this episode, we will discuss Marillion's most recent album, Fear. also known as Fuck Everyone and Run, because Marillion are just that clever. This was released in uh, 2016, so September of last year. It was released on Ear Music, produced by Marillion and Mike Hunter. And the reason why there is no little blurb on the, on the sheet is the only thing we have in the beginning of the um, of the Wikipedia page is Fuck Everyone in Fear is Merlion's 18th studio album released on 23rd September 2016, which isn't really very helpful. One note is that they did in fact debut at number four on the official UK charts, which was their best charting since, believe it or not, Clutching at Straws. Wow. Nice work. I, I find it funny that this album came out in September, and I want to say I knew about it, but I hadn't pre-ordered it, and I didn't... I Here's the funny thing, because, Paul, you and I had bought the tickets to Marillion, like, what, a year and a half in advance or some ridiculous thing like that? Yeah, it was Maybe, really I, a long time. I like, remember panicking. I almost couldn't find them because they were like <laughs> in my email somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we bought the darn things in like January or February of 2016 for a show at the end of November. And the only... So I, I, I knew the thing existed, but I made no effort to get my hands on it until literally two weeks before that show. And I was like, crap, I probably better listen to this. And so I, I bought it on iTunes and put it on my phone just so I could listen to it at my desk, which, again, is not something I normally do, but I didn't have the time to get my hands on a, on a physical copy. And, um, you know, I, I had spent just enough time with it before the show that, you know, like, I knew, I knew the new Kings when they played it, you know, and and I at least recognized some stuff, but I didn't really, you know, I wasn't as immersed in it. And as we started doing this, um, you know, I spent a lot more time with Fear, and you know, it the more the more it it grows on me, and and since I'm the king of of drawing parallels. And, and slicing and, and, you know, putting things into neat little buckets. For me, fear sort of becomes, you know, it brings together everything that they learned that we talked about in the last episode through um, through sounds and somewhere else and happiness is the road. And they were 
doing and trying all of these things and sort of realizing they could be something different from what they were. And, and you know, in, in a lot of ways, I think fear kind of brings that all together and is, you know, in some respects, probably a, a higher expression of, of who they currently are. Now that's not to say that fear is is you know perfect, and it's it's a little unfortunate because I don't have my my little notebook that I keep around with me, and and as I think about these things, literally anytime anywhere I'll jot them down, but it's on my desk at work. But I made this comment in in the uh, in the text. One of the things about this that when I first touched upon it. I, I threw it out there as kind of a joke, but the more I listened to it, the more referred to this album as the mother of all mantras, or at least this episode, because it's awesome. almost like Hogarth, you know, it, it's almost like music porn for him at this point. You know, it, it's 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 so easy, and it's 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 such a big payoff, and he hammers the mantra thing time and time again on this to the point where you're just like, okay, Steve, but, uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's what, probably three or four big mantra moments in this album. I'm curious as to what they are. Um, I, I may be absorbing, you know, only certain ones and, and, and missing the big picture here since I didn't do this analysis. Um, are we going uh, track by track? I mean, yeah, we, we can. And like I was going to say, there's one in in the gold, I believe. Um, there's one somewhere. Oh, the gold the stops us. Always did. Something like that. Um, there's one certainly in the levers somewhere. Um, in fact, there may be two. There's either two in the levers or there's two in the new kings. Um, uh, greed is good is in there, and uh, oh, oh, too 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 big to uh, too uh, fall. too big to fall, too, too big to fail. Oh, and I think I think too big to fall, too big to fail. Because remember, we set the criteria as you had to hear it three times, and most of most of the mantras in here are three. The too big to fall, too big to fail. I want to say comes in six times. So it's like, it's a double mantra, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and then shortly after that, you get greed is good in the female backing vocal. Yeah. Yeah. So but is it you really know, a mantra in all these situations or is it just repetition? Well, and see, that's, that's just it. I think, and, and Paul, I think in the last episode, you had made reference, you may have made reference to this particular album in terms of, you know, they, they seem to stop wanting to musically tie things together and just sort of stop, splice the tape, so to speak, and move on to the next thing right there. You know, it's almost like they, I, I, I'll paraphrase and, and, and have you say that, you know, it's almost like they stopped trying to connect these things up. I think, you know, like I said, to a certain extent, I think, I think Hogarth has become fixated on this idea of, of repetition as emphasis, and I, you know, I, I 
as I thought about this album more more clinically, that sort of bothered me a little bit. It's like he just he got too fixated with it. He got too cute with it. And, you know, it's it's too much at this point. And I, I almost hope that the next Marillion album doesn't have a mantra moment at all. <laughs> like I've got I've got my fill. I'm good. Thank you. Don't don't really need that anymore. You know, let's let's try a different trick and see what we can come up with. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think the the um you know, I, it's it's funny because I think the the mantra was I never even had considered any of this a mantra until Ken identified it for me when we were talking about um, Go and the end of Go where it's um, wide awake at the end of the world. And, yeah. and it was like, you know, Ken, when you said that, it was, yes, it was like, it was like my head just went, pow. And then I liked that song even, even more than I thought I could possibly. And, um, well, looking up the know, definition like, of mantra, uh, something to aid in meditation is one particular definition. So, you know. Right. Uh, so in that in that case, like, I, I don't know that I would necessarily, um, I wouldn't necessarily characterize something like we're not green, we're just pleasant as a mantra, even though it's repeated over and over again. It's, to me, it's, it's, it's sort of like Uzi's on the street corner, right? <laughs> it's, it's it's a it's more of a lyrical tool or mechanism, um, more of a poetic mechanism, and you know so and I think that you know what you were touching upon earlier, Joe, was 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 my comment is that you know it's funny after I know that I said that to you um, before we saw them live how I said ah oh, I feel like they just don't even try anymore to you know they just have one idea. And it just ends, and then it, you know, it's this big buildup, and then it stops, and then it's like piano, and then vocals, and then we start with a new idea, and and but then when you see them live, it just works so much better, I think, yeah. than it does, you know, recorded, and and it just seems like you you can almost tell listening to something like Fear that the way that they record their albums is to all come together and jam out some ideas and, and record them and then start piecing together the things that they like. And, and, and I, you know, sometimes I wonder if that, that almost repetition, which almost becomes like a crutch is tied to those ideas, right. That, that they just keep, that they keep, uh, you know, stringing together. But, you know, the, the funny thing about this, this album for me is, is that, I think, like, I think my favorite song is The Leavers, and yet the only song that I ever catch myself, like, walking around singing is Living in Fear. And, mm. and you know, it's the only one that doesn't have, like, how many parts and all the stuff. I yeah. mean, it's just a nice little packaged song. And uh, there's lots of repetition of it. And, you know, and I think that's the one that just sticks with me. Well, it... it and it's interesting that you you say that and and you know starting off with sort of a you know a negative observation i don't in any way shape or form want to you know bag on this album because i think in a lot of ways this is probably the most solid album since marvels 
But let's let's quickly roll down the, the track list and sort of set the stage here. So we have the, the multi-part Eldorado with five parts, Living in Fear, Lever, the Levers, which is in five parts, White Paper, um, and then the New Kings, which is in four parts, and then Tomorrow's New Country. So, you know, they, they've got these the, the three long-form pieces and then, you know, the what I'll call the regular song sort of of stuck in the middle there. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how leaving and living in fear does kind of just insinuate itself in your brain. I find that and white paper are, are the two that really stick to me. Um, with one exception. And that is for, for me, the first 60 seconds or so of the third part of the levers, vapor trails in the sky, is like just phenomenal. I just, there's something about those 60 seconds that just turn my crank and I can't, I can't ah. get past it. And, and I will, you know, it's only like what, four lines, I think, in there. And, um, you know, it sort of sets the stage of, of, you know, like when the levers are set free and, you know, they can go out and do their thing. It's like, oh, thank God I'm on this plane going away from all the other stuff. And, um, yeah, just we've touched on this before. I don't know if I've ever hammered it home as as strongly as I think about it. But what, you know, I've, I've one of the things that gets me about Hogarth and, you know, when we get into the whole sort of the different levels and perspectives that that Hogarth brings lyrically, I think lyrically they're both they're both really solid. But I get such a broader worldview out of Hogarth. And I think this album in particular. He looks. He has so many different aspects of this fear label. And fear both as the acronym and fear as in the, the fundamental emotion as well. And for me, that's what really makes, you know, this, this album lyrically, because it's, it's sort of like, you know, it's almost like an English essay, you know, exploring the, the different ways that you can have fear, express fear and everything else. And... I, that's amazing because when I figured out or when I heard about this album and I saw what the title was, all I could think of was Van Halen's For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> please, please tell me they didn't do something that stupid. And thankfully they didn't. Um, you know, and, and they really, you know, I think I think through the, the different layers of the lyrics that, that Hogarth was really able to explore that. Um, you know, from, you know, obviously in the New Kings, the, the acronym part of it is, is very front and center and, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's has to do with the, the corporate greed portion. Um, while it's not used explicitly, I think, you know, that the, the more personal general theme of, 
of running away from things because you're afraid of the responsibility and everything else figures in very prominently into the levers. Um, living in fear explores it from a more global perspective, which I find very, very powerful. Um, in El Dorado, they, he kind of sets the stage for these different types of fear that will be explored throughout the rest of the album. As much as I was bagging on the mantra and everything else, I think in terms of of taking a theme and treating it lyrically throughout, you know, this entire album, I think this is is really a, a stellar example of of Hogarth's ability in that regard. Mm. You know, and even even he even does that to a certain degree in a microcosm in white white paper. Um, or sort of uses the the white imagery in a couple of different ways, even throughout the uh, the song itself. Which you know, I just I think it's cool. It it works for me. Yeah, and you know, interestingly, Joe, you should update the Wikipedia page with with this with some of these insights here because it doesn't <laughs> seem like anybody gives a shit. You know, like <laughs> you know, there's so much written about so many other Marillion albums and basically all they have is there is a quote from quote from uh, Hogarth about why it's called fear and you know that they peaked at not chart position number four in the UK and um, also in Scotland by the way um, number six in the Dutch Scotland and then number eight UK? number four in the UK and Scottish the Scottish albums charts and the Polish albums charts also broke the top ten with the with the eight position. So that'll work out well because doesn't Progressive Palaver pull well in Poland or Eastern? It seemed to do well. At least our Facebook page does with with no posts. <laughs> what are they gonna do when we actually start posting stuff? <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> We, we might get we might get pulled into a publicity for in Eastern Europe, man. We could we could become Henry Rollins. That's my goal. We could we could. So like you know so it's it's funny, Joe, because I feel like as we've been approaching talking about fear, there's been this general vibe that we all really dig it and we all really like it, and yet I have to say there's probably just as many things that I like about it, and yet things that that I don't like about it, you know. Um, I mentioned some of the some of the other pieces, but like uh, I just I just I just think it's very very interesting that we're you know spending a lot of time talking about some of the less than happy things about fear. Um, I you know I think you know El Dorado. I love the beginning of El Dorado. I you know the whole thing with the like the acoustic guitar like. You know, gosh, I've been waiting how many years to hear Stephen Rothery open up uh, you know, with a simple acoustic guitar run. I mean, it's fantastic. And um, and the way it just it just that song just builds and evolves and comes into that that um that keyboard melody and then the whole band jumps in. I mean, I, it's just a it it really I think musically sets the stage. Um, again, living in fear is is the song that just sticks with me the most. What's what's weird about um, living in fear, though, is that 
the uh, the 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 refrain, the one refrain where it says, "You know, we've decided to risk melting our guns." Oh, as a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like I love the lyric. I love the whole idea. I love the whole idea of of what they're saying. And I was I was trying to figure it out a little bit because, you know, when the first time he says "show of strength." It's it's very dissident. It's almost you know it, it it the melody seems like it should fit, but there's I don't know what's happening in the mix that just doesn't permit that. It just it seems so tense to me, like so dissonant, and um and I can't figure out why. And I was just trying to noodle around with it, and it seems like everything is in place. You know, it seems like you know. It goes to the B major chord. It seems like everyone's playing that. It's hard to tell exactly, but it just doesn't really. There's and and maybe that's the whole point, right? It's that it's that uncertainty, that dissonance of uncertainty that you know we're risking this to show a strength. It it's it's really it's almost like all of it culminates in that one like sort of section for me where it's like I love it and I'm like why doesn't it sound right? It's just not sounding right. <laughs> Um, mm. um, and, I'm, and, I'm, you ready know, go, I'm ready to go to bat for this whole album, but if you want to, if you want to start with that tune, I'm down. <laughs> yeah, like I said, don't don't get me wrong. Like, I love it. It's my favorite song on the on the album. Um, it's just it's just these um, it's just these funny things that that pop up as. We listen more and more, uh, more and more critically as these bands get older and older. I guess I don't know, but I'm dying to hear what you have to say about this stuff, Ken. Oh well, you've got me on this song, so I have to look up the lyrics. It, it, uh, I guess I have to put "living in fear" to, to, to pull it up. Um, it's so strong as their type of single. I don't want to call it a single in a universal sense, but it's you know for. Uh, uh, a touring prog rock band with a 30-year history. It, it, it comes close enough to being a single. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I've seen the video, and they went all out. You know, that's There's their a video? Single. There's a video? Um, yeah, and, and um, it, 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 you, you really see H at the piano, and it, his hands and his arms kind of pulsing, and you you understand how this came about like this was you know his piano tune and he was driving this and you see how you know the the bands all in his periphery around there doing their parts and uh, it, it's it, it, it's probably a good window into how they you know have written other tunes in the same way uh and just I don't catch on to that discordant vibe that you get, Paul. I think melodically, they're they're in their safe zone, and they're nailing it, and they know they're nailing it. Um, and they 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 picked a really universal tempo. They picked a really um, uh, accessible way to talk about a difficult topic. You know, they, they kind of boiled down um, global politics and war and commerce into some really basic things and, 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 you know, doing it much better than Gaza, for example. 
you know, and don't drag us yeah. down to uh, a 16 minute thong about, a, you know, poverty and death in the desert, just kind of giving us this real simple message. So in context. Well, and, and, and not to interrupt, Ken, but, but to juxtapose, because that, that's an excellent thought that I hadn't connected this to Gaza, but it's almost like the mirror image of Gaza in that not only do they successfully boil all this down, but the overall message and feeling of this is very positive, whereas Gaza just makes you want to freaking jump off the building. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure uh, H wanted to make a statement and to frame it well. We, we, we saw images of uh, uh, John Lennon in the videography at the concert, and I'm sure he was like, okay, you know, you can do so much with darkness and, and uh, 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 kind of these blunt political things, or you can kind of package it in and uh, give peace a chance, kind of in a, in a, a more lighthearted, you know, communique. So, uh, I, 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 yeah, yeah, I, I think, yeah, our wide eyes are not naive, the, the product of a kind of exhaustion. Uh, and uh, that was the one that really hit me. Our wide eyes are not naive, they're a product of the kind of exhaustion. Because we all, you know, I can't listen to the news, I'm turning it off, it's a kind of exhaustion. Uh, I can't talk about this with friends over drink anymore. I'm just too exhausted. Um, I like how we work that into the the song. Yeah. Um, well, and it's interesting to think of that in terms of, you know, sort of, you know, the the current geopolitical situation. And, and keep in mind, you know, we didn't have the current full blown situation. When he wrote this, right but at the same time, it like by the time it came out, it's almost like the perfect tonic to the situation we found ourselves in very shortly thereafter, which is amazing. Um, and I, I guess some of that is just Britain having their Brexit vote months and months and months before we had our presidential vote, and they felt like they kind of went off the rails before we felt like we kind of went off the rails. If, if, if you know, if you don't mind me interjecting some commentary. Um, well, so. it's, it's funny because we've done our best to keep this apolitical. And certainly I think Gaza was the closest we ever came to that. But here it's almost impossible to, to blur that lines. But, but even then, because when was the Brexit vote? That was in the fall of last year, wasn't it? I mean, it could have been a it year was. before. I think it was the summer of last year. Um, so it, it's interesting that the very point that I was going to make was that um, was, you know, we're sitting here talking about like this album was released right after we went off the rails and right after. But, you know, the truth is, from any point of view, we, we've, the world's been off the rails for decades, right? So, um, well, it was last, yeah. I think the Brexit vote was in June of last year. So I can tell you that I had the pre-release download of the new Kings, um, prior to last summer, during last summer. So I, I just, I just think it, it, it's, I don't know that it's about 
you know, maybe it, maybe it's it's. Um, I just think it's it's terrific timing, and it just underscores the fact that you know, it's, the world is off the rails. <laughs> well, and and you know that brings up another point because we're coming at this from an American point of view, of course, American point of view, but you know, the experiences that they may be having in, in Europe that even probably led up to the Brexit, whenever that actually occurred, you know, they, they probably live, a, a, you know, more of this and more varied and more of it sooner than we had. But, but it, it is interesting and in that, you know, this, 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 the, the overall theme and certainly this particular song, and it's funny because here we are, you know what? Thirty minutes into this, and we've only gotten through one song, which is you know how we do this. But but in particular, this song speaks so well to the situation we're in right now, which I, you know, I think we've all come to the conclusion that it's sort of a happy accident, and it's it's almost a shame that you know there's nobody but their fundamental base is is hearing this or paying attention to it. And uh, yeah, so mm. yeah, so here's a quote from Steve Hogarth about just the title of of the record, but I think it talks about what we're what we're discussing. He says this title is adopted not in anger or with any intention to shock. It is adopted and sung tenderly in sadness and resignation, inspired by England and the world, which increasingly functions on an every man for himself philosophy. There's a sense of foreboding that permeates much of this record. I have a feeling we're approaching some kind of sea change in the world, an irreversible political, financial, humanitarian, and environmental storm. I hope I'm wrong. Wow. There you that, go. Was April, that was April 8th of last year, so things have definitely gone in the wrong direction, depending on, you know, your, your views. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so it definitely, like, I remember, like, feeling that, because um, I believe, did we saw, didn't we see them, like, just a few days after Election Day? Or was it right before Election Day? It was, it was yeah. two days it was a, before. Yeah. Two days before was, Election Day? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like, yeah, so it, talk about, like, timing. It was just, Wow. The quote that you read um, makes me think of the uh, El Dorado in particular. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to get to the part. Um, and the madmen all say they hear voices. God tells them what to do. The wars are all about money. They always were. And the money is yeah. dressed up in religion, and when it's not showing off, the money's hiding. Uh, oh, I love that line. Yeah, yeah, and and El Dorado is kind of downplayed. It, it it's the more subtle, and I think uh, vocally it's in a safe range for H. And I think I think uh, you know that's one of the ones that you know he can do early live or or wherever, and like like I. I think of El Dorado almost as like a hidden ballad, but it's like a sleeper because it, it, it jabs like a knife through my heart when it gets to these sections. Um, mm. 
So yeah, it starts off with the acoustic guitar. It's got some slow tempos in it. It could be a sleeper. It could like totally pass people by. But where it gets me is in the emotion. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's it it is it's. I agree. It's almost a sleeper in the fact that you know it opens the album. It opens you know kind of slow, leads you into it. And and before you know it, you're like, whoa, what was that? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, yeah. And, and brilliant work. Um, I, I had um, a, 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 you know, a, a deep listening over and over again with fear, and then we did the the few Merlion podcasts, and I wandered off into yes, and I, I was just in a kind of a a renaissance bliss with yes, just with, you know, flowery notes and, you know, images of, you know, oceans and birds and whatever. And then we were coming up on fear. And I'm like, I got to I got to cram fear again. And going from, uh, you know, Bruford era close to the edge. Yes. To fear. It was like, Oh my God, this Merlion album is like as real as the curb I'm stepping on. It was just so like hard to go from, you know, yes, and I think I had some Genesis in there, and I did the whole Anderson Bruford Wake and Run Howe album, and I was flirting around with like King Crimson, thinking about that. And if if you come out of that era and you jump into fear, it's it's like really in your face. Yeah, that's got to be jarring to go in that direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I love it. It just shows how 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 real the album is. And um, the, the the one I liked the least was the New Kings. It was just a little too complicated and in depth. And then um, one time it just got me. I, I I was in the car and it was like the hair on my arm started to crawl. And if you can really surrender and be open while that song is playing. Um, the scary sky part was stupid when I first heard it, but but you know yeah once once I actually listened it make it makes total sense in, in the context of what they're saying you know it, it's scary that we don't know what large financial systems are capable of we don't know necessarily who's influencing them and we don't know what the the, the consequences are when. You know, people lose loads and loads of money. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, you know, I find it fascinating um, them winding up the New Kings with why is nothing ever true. Just the, the, the fundamental sentiment behind that statement also very much resonates with me. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think you're absolutely right that a lot of what what moves this album is it's it's basis in reality and and it's interesting you know as we get ready to to move into yes and start sort of you know 40 years ago um you know comparing sort of you know what was what was progressive then versus what is progressive now and and it really does illustrate you know all of the changes in the music and and the world in general that you know this is this is what, you know, progressive is today. You know, Paul Stephen Wilson, you know, he's he has 
he has things to say too. You know, it's not. Yeah. It's it's not all, you know. Put in, and that's not to say that that yes didn't have things to say. Certainly, John Anderson is a very very concerned individual, but the way in which he certainly used to express himself was a lot more obtuse and spacey and and whatnot. And it wasn't it wasn't so realistic in terms of hey, this is what's going on. And you know, <laughs> not to not to spoil anything, but the one time he did try to do that, and I still I can't wait to get to this episode because I don't freaking understand how you guys can get behind it. But the one time he was very upfront is just, in my opinion, doesn't translate very well. Which album? That would be "Don't Kill the Whale," Ken. Don't <laughs> kill the whale. It, 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 okay, it, 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 the period speaks for itself, but okay. We'll just, we'll just have to wait. We'll just have to wait. We we will yeah. have to wait, and I I really I look forward um, to that particular episode because you know it. I, I'm not going to say that it's going to be Coil or Soul Cage is good, assuming we have Tom involved, but I I think that one should be interesting. Well, so but you know. Things as you were as you were mentioned you were talking through there. Um, I'll skip my my tormato comment um, <laughs> and hold it. Hopefully, I can remember it. Make um, make a note. The so you know I, what I've noticed on some of the things that I read about Marillion is that they're referred to as a neo progressive rock band. Um, yes, they are being sort of being the second generation of progressive rock. Um, which would which would indicate that they would perhaps be influenced by the classic progressive rock, which most people seem to agree are Genesis, um, Pink Floyd, and Yes, and probably some other bands that I, I don't know as well as um, as I should. But those are probably the the three biggest mainstream ones coming out of the '70s, right? Um, and and so I think that. I feel almost I don't you know Genesis and and was definitely around a lot longer so I don't know that you could really say they were contemporaries but but Marillion and Genesis were certainly putting out albums at the same time um, through the 80s so um, but I think that's a sort of a transition and it's a little different John Anderson you know some of his songs on the early records are you know are about vietnam and and other th current events that were happening at the time and you know the hell if you can figure out how they're about those things but you know yeah, when you exactly him, yeah those are the things that were inspiring him i mean he was just you know whenever when i think of hippie i think of john anderson and and so i think there was just a different a different level not a not a good not good or bad level just a different level of question happening um in that, in that classic sense compared to, um, you know, where we are now, where we are, you know, completely rooted in reality. And I can say that, you know, the last thing that I ever attach myself to when I listen to music are the lyrics. And, and usually when I get around to looking up the lyrics on the page, I'm, I'm like fascinated because I've gotten so many of the lyrics wrong um, as I'm listening. 
and I think that there are some things that, you know, and, and it's, it's interesting, the, way, the only way I'll say it is that there are things that when I'm hearing the song and I'm hearing certain phrases, they strike me as like, oh, you know, this is just these guys whining and complaining. But then when, you know, then when I pull up the lyrics and I start to listen, you know, it is, there's more of that, you know, inner, in, inner introspection, I think, in fear that I didn't realize at first. Um, you know, not just, oh, the world is so screwed up and um, we're, we're doing all these bad things, but the recognition that, you know, the, the things that are happening are things that are happening in our, in our own lives. And, um, you know, I, I feel like there's a, a place in there where, you know, he, where Hogarth actually, you know, talks about, you know, seeing himself in them and, and, and things like that. It's just, it, you know, it's just so different. Um, when you when you really have the lyrics and there are a lot of lyrics like you know i uh, not too many mantras going on in el dorado and as as good as that is for you joe i think for me maybe it 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 makes it a little bit more complicated for me to get my head around and and i have to spend a little bit more time coming around to it which you know these days uh i just uh, i don't know that i have all the time that i that i need that's why, I mean, that's why it took me like three years to really fully appreciate Brave. Uh, and I'm, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, I'm appreciating fear every time more and more that I listen to it. it it's become my Sunday morning making pancakes record that I put, I put this on every Sunday morning when I wake up and I make a big batch of pancakes for me and the boys. And, uh, you know, it's fantastic. So I, you know, this one, uh, you know, if we were gonna do a, if we were gonna do a forced rank of of Marillion um, albums right now, I'm not sure where this one would land, but I, I have a good feeling that if you pulled me again next year, it would be, uh, it would be higher. Hmm. Yeah, I believe that, and you know, I, I think, I think everything that that you just described, Paul, it, it speaks in a lot of ways to. The world in general is different in 2017 than it was in 1977. If you think about, you know, the the broader culture, if you will, you know, what was on TV then versus what is on TV now. The way, even the way that news was presented, um, you know, everything is just, it's so much different, so much more raw, so much more realistic. Um, you know, there. When when you look back at at you know primetime TV from from the nineteen seventies, it's it's almost cute. It, it's like you know when when we were growing up and we would see shows from the nineteen fifties or whatever. You know, and they they'd show you know the married couple in the two single beds and you know all of that business and you know think about you know all the you know the near heart show is you can see now oh i can't remember what it was um was it was it uh, mike uh, and carol brady were, were reading reading books in the same bed weren't they well i mean there you started to get a change but <laughs> I, I said when we were right but, but you get, i don't you think i ever point. watched that show i don't think i ever watched that show you, you get the, are you older than me joe <laughs> i asked I'm not older than you. I think you're talking about Bob Newhart, but whatever. 
I don't know. It doesn't really matter. So here's here's it was the interesting a thing. Time. It was a different time for sure. For sure. It, it was a different time and, and so, you know, John could you'd make his lyrics to do whatever it was and and you know, but I don't think that would fly today. And I think I think H is both a product of his time and savvy enough to understand, you know, that you've got to be a little more upfront. And and let's tie this together because clearly, you know, that began with fish. You know, fish Fish had things to say, and Fish was going to be very upfront about them. To the point for you, Paul, where on clutching at straws, it can sometimes drive you straight up a wall. But <laughs> you know, he's going to he's going to put it out there. He's got things to say. So, you know, there is um, this. It, you know, it all started with Fish. Um, Fish had things to say. He was going to be very upfront about them, and Hogarth is both a product of his time and savvy enough to understand all of this. And so, basically, Marillion comes by this legitimately. You know, in a lot of ways, perhaps, maybe they were leading some of this change into the way things are are portrayed. But while, while you were talking, Paul, I wanted to pull up the Wikipedia list of progressive rock bands. <laughs> Just because it's it's fun to do, oh, and boy. apparently, they this particular list is complete because it has both the first, second, and apparently there's a third generation on here. But wow! What what really sort of caught my eye because I came across Fish first, obviously because he's an F, so I'm like, oh, Merlin must be on here. So I go down to Merlin and it says. <laughs> The most successful of the neo-progressive bands. Ooh, so there you go. Hats off. Hats off to Merlion. That's why we started with them, I guess. But there are some interesting there are some interesting names on here. Like in the M's, the Moody Blues and the Mothers of Invention. Um, yeah. Hmm. Neil Morse, former lead singer, keyboardist of Spock's Beard. Why do I think Neil Morse used to be in Kansas at some point? Spock's Beard. Spock's Beard. I've heard of them. Ever heard of a band called Osric Tentacles? You know, I think I have. Have you really? Yeah. No, Pavlov. Oh, I, I have not. Pavlov's Dog. I've heard of them. Yep. Uh, Pink Floyd, Planet X, um, Queensryche makes the list. Wow. So apparently it's okay. Now this is interesting because Roxy Music also makes the list, and I don't know that I would have put them on here at all. No. But well, I think Roxy Music had a, a concept album, didn't they? <laughs> well, does that? Does that qualify you to be on here? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it does. What about I Planet the P? Planet they had a concept Floyd. album where they put on the progressive list. Mm, I don't. I don't see them. Nope. Don't see them. Don't see Tony mm -hmm. Carey either. So that's interesting. I wonder how the how how 
not that not that Wikipedia is the be all end all, but it is sort of a a common starting point. How does Wikipedia classify the Planet P project? Ah. Well, I mean, it was um, Hades primarily programmed tracks I mean, might have something to do more with the techno vibe than with the concept album vibe yeah we're, we're getting way off track here but planet p project is a pseudonym used by american rock musician tony carey for his science fiction themed progressive rock slash space rock music <laughs> okay oh this is awesome though the project's name was inspired from the fictional Planet P in Robert A. Heinlein's book, Starship Troopers. So we can wow. bring that in when we... Yes. That's cool. You know, I think... I'm pretty sure we can go We can go on Wikipedia and delete any of these bands that we don't think belong on the list. If we want. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I don't think we really need to get into that. That may be a special episode, though. We just well, I could, the, put, uh, I could put myself... There's only three artists with the last name or with the name under Z. I could put myself there. Probably no one would even notice. Oh, boy. I, hey. I, um, I, I, I do want to get... Now that I'm paging through the Bs, I have to give a shout-out <laughs> to uh, Bill Bruford. Um, oh, one, yes. I, well, just, just, just... And I'd like to dovetail even back into Marillion before we're all done. But um, for now... Marillion? What? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, so so um, uh, at, at, at one point, uh, Sadie became fascinated with uh, posters that were kind of generated from a big data. This company was just taking uh, databases and making graphic representations of... Uh, you know whatever statistics they could pull in, and it, and it was um, charted rock albums and 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 performers, and each performer was uh, a sphere, and the sphere was uh, a certain size based on I guess their the number of contributions they made, and, and and like Bill Bruford's sphere is as big as like Eric Clapton on this chart. It's it's in the other room. I would get it, but it's like it's like really big. It's this big and you can find like you know all the people in yes and the beatles and you know mm. ozzy and like like it, it's, it's 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 i think it's like 400 musicians and bruford is like friggin huge because of all of his drumming like like he with all the stuff he did with yes and then with king crimson and then as a studio musician he's he's, he's got more charted uh releases than, than many of the others, so um, I, I, didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even realize it. And and and, and you know, he, I can't believe he recorded close to the edge and then left. But that'll be a whole nother episode. Yeah, yeah. That, that'll be interesting to get into. I'm, I'm curious just to stay down this particular rabbit hole for one more second. How is Steve Howe's thing? Because I always have the impression that Steve Howe was like everywhere. I know, I know, I know. Just, just, yeah. yeah, talk about Steve Howe for a second. <laughs> oh, he's going to go get it. I love it. 
I don't see I don't see even Bill Bruford on Wikipedia by himself. It's ridiculous. That um, is ridiculous. At least not well, listed well, under progressive rock artists. All right, um, what I find for here. Oh wait, no, there it is. Here he is. Okay. okay. It's seven hundred seven wow. artists. Can you see this? That's Bill that Bruford right there. Of rock. And that Bruford is like Oh my god. Here's Clapton, and this is, uh, oh, Bill Burford's this big blue thing here, and Steve Howe is just as big. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, Steve, Steve would almost wow. have to be. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty we, cool. We will, uh, we will get into this, but one of the things... Can we do an episode on that, on that thing right there, Joe? I know, I know. Can we just blow that up? And put it on the screen and just do an episode on that. Yes, we could. We could. We 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 could spend three hours on that thing. I bet. I know. We could make it three episodes then. <laughs> Actually, we should just make that a part of each of these groups. Look at everybody's look at everybody's ball and see how big it is. <laughs> that that would be very very cool, especially as we get into into the yes thing, because I remember you know. What in the late eighties, early nineties, um, when the the big Yes Years um, box set came out, and they had um, they have the Yes Family Tree in there. Yeah, and right. It's just right. It's amazing where all it goes. And but but one of the things we'll get to when we do get to Yes, just to sort of set the stage, is. Again, how I got into Yes and the time I got into Yes and my first true experience with Bill Bruford was on the Union Tour, which was probably not the best expression of Bill Bruford on any number yeah. of levels. Um, well stated. So, so I'm, I'm sort of hardwired to, to not like Bill Bruford, but yet when I listen to the Yes catalog, I find myself yearning for the way that Bill Bruford played on Close to the Edge and whatnot. Got a lot to say well. about this during the Yes, <laughs> during the yes episodes. Wow, sure. wow. Good, good, good. I'm glad, I'm glad. You're, you're giving me uh, uh, material there. So I need to, I need to, Yeah. I need to solidify my experience before I can. So, but but I before think, we go so we there, need make, we need to have we need to incorporate the balls into the episode. The other thing is, I think uh, you know you've stumbled upon something here, Joe. I think we all have that maybe um, an episode. I, th I think something that we should definitely talk about, whether it's its own episode or we just talk through it, is do do people of the modern day have the time and attention span? For progressive rock music. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Mm. I think the answer is obviously no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 really it's really fascinating when you think about it, right? And uh, all right, well, these but I, I I deem the bubbles, the uh, fuzzy nads. <laughs> what what what's the fuzziness factor of of uh rick wakeman for instance exactly exactly 
he's a he's a hairy dude. Yeah. All right. So so do we? And apparently, Al and Bill Bruford are just as fuzzy as each other. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, oh my God. I, I I had a I, I had a client tell me that I sounded like Steve Howe on the phone. Um, never met her in person, but a woman in an office is a huge what? yes man. Um, how do you sound like Steve Howe? I don't know. I don't know. Were you, so, were you talking with an accent when you were talking with her? I have no idea, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, I don't even know what to do with that. So do do we want to bring this back and talk about fear some more? <laughs> oh yeah, but um, you know, so so, so you know, um, e even back into you know, um, GoMarillion dot com and Marbles and whatnot. Um, there's some reality based stuff going on with. Uh, you know, H's lyrics and the vibe of the tunes. Um, maybe he actually, you know, presses too close to home on some weird topics. Uh, so uh, after um, we met up for the previous TLA show, um, was that um, 2013, I think? Sounds about right. Yeah. So Sadie came along for the ride and she she she's she's she thought the dude was a little weird, but she survived the concert and it was cool. But what ultimately made it so that I couldn't play H in the car was Angelina. The lyrics to Angelina. And and um really? there, was, there was something about the Yeah, there was something you know, um you know the reality-based topic of phone sex was suddenly not cool. <laughs> okay. And 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 um, she got skeeved out by the voice and kind of didn't want to hear it. <laughs> Interesting. Really? Yeah. 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 Yeah, and and, 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 and and then recently I was playing around trying to find voices that, that, that worked in the car. And and John Anderson is out. He was just Mickey Mouse. Didn't did did not fly well. So yeah. That's that's when I decided, you know, to have all these different playlists ready on my fingers. There you go. She hasn't even seen him live. <laughs> she can't even imagine. He's a fruitcake. So, he's he's such a lunatic. It's fantastic. <laughs> I I still remember Tom's reaction. Or was it? It wasn't Tom because Tom didn't go to that show. I guess it was Colby's reaction in Nashville when we saw them on the talk tour, and John was at his most Johnness. That was uh, that was amazing. So, two things that came up in the text conversations before we started this. Um, and I'll leave it up to you guys which ones you want to address first. Ken, you had very strong feelings about believers as a piece that I thought you might want to get into. 
And, and Paul, you had apparently what I will des describe as a possible rant against how the CD tracks are <laughs> are, are set up. <laughs> that you know, so Ken Ken solved this for me quite brilliantly. The, the, the hardest thing about Fear for me was figuring out which fucking song I was listening to half the time because I'm looking at the tracks and I'm like, oh, it says it says track seven. Well, what, which fucking song is that? And so I'd be like driving and trying to look and see which, like how many pieces, how many chapters and, you know, and then, and then, um, and so I just started with Spotify. You could see which track was which. And then Ken gave me this brilliant idea of you just listen to one song over and over and over again. And so then I just started doing that. Like, I, I only listened to El Dorado for like two days. Um, so, so that helped me out. But I, I found that to be very, very hard because like, I get it. It's in different parts, but you don't have to index the CD so to change a track every time you go to a different part. If it's supposed to be a one complete song, you know, just let it go. So that was, that's about all I had on that. Sorry. So uh, that, yeah. that's, I mean, that's really, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ken. No, but I mean, when am I going to just, you know, suddenly get a craving for the third part <laughs> of Eldorado? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's useless. It's like, it's like, yeah, taking a, a requiem and just diving into, like, one movement, like, yeah. I rem So I remember on my very first CD player, it was this old junker, and it actually had the track number, and then it had an index number. So that for songs like this, there would be, like, it would be, like, track one, indexed, one, two, three, and four, whatever. And, and I was so excited to put in CDs, like, yes like close to the edge with all the different and i was like waiting and then nothing ever indexed it was always just like track one for 19 <laughs> minutes and the only cd that i i think i ever saw with indexes was hemispheres by rush and i thought it was the coolest thing but then you know i you know cd players just stopped displaying indexes because i think they found they were useless and yet apparently they would have been very helpful in this for fear yeah. So, so two things about that, Paul, because my first CD player, my JVC had the same thing. I went through the exact same thing that you, uh, you just described. And yeah, I think there were one or two CDs that actually used indexes. And it's like, oh, this is fantastic. And I guess I actually lucked out because, like I said, I, I bought this on iTunes and I had it on my phone, which makes it very easy to figure out where you are. And so, you know, when I started, um, when I would drive my Lincoln around, it connects via Bluetooth. And so it, you know, not only does my phone display which particular movement I'm on, but also my, um, my display on my dash would also then tell me where I was. So I never had the experience of being lost in these various sections of the songs. So... I guess I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. Well, that is one of the one of the the better parts of digital music, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. You can figure out where you are a little easier. Yeah. Than a jewel box. And well, to Ken's know, point, 
to Ken's point, even though I had hemispheres, never once did I ever pop in hemispheres and go, I'm going to go right to index number three. See, but in this particular case, I would go, again, to vapor trails in the sky in the middle of, of the levers. I think uh, I would do that. And luckily you can. Luckily <laughs> I can. <laughs> now I have to ask myself if I ever have. That's maybe the next question. Which leads and us this indexing in ruins my Google searches. It's like so hard to find lyrics to the levers because it's coming up with sections one, two, and five, but not three. Can you go to, go to Marillion.com and uh, you can get you can get the full lyric thing there. Yeah, I guess I should do that. Oh, oh, for the whole song all at once. It's just the whole song, yeah. Yeah, it's much better. Yeah, so um, I do feel very strongly about the levers. Um, the lyric that hit me the first time I heard it was, uh, wake up in Munich, wake up in music. If you're not feeling pretty good by that point, if you're not totally down with what it feels like to be um, psyched, touring band to do Europe and all of the U.S. And, and you, 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 you just got to get it by that point. You just got to. Um, I, I feel it really takes, you know, what, what they do and it shares it with the listener. You, you just got to get pumped. Uh, what other songs w was I comparing it to before? Their, you know, their fan base stuff. Uh, Montreal was kind of a pseudo fan base thing, and um, ah, what, what was the earlier one about what it's like to be a touring band? I yeah. don't know. I don't know, but the, the Levers just really hits it nail on the head, and 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 uh, such a serious album. El Dorado and New Kings are so terrifying that having this chance just to sing about being in a rock and roll band. It's just a beautiful thing. Um, it's a nice little bit of levity, uh, you know. Um, yeah, that, that, that won me over probably first on the whole album. I guess sections two and three, somewhere in there, is when I really blew up. At the end is like, um, <laughs> I threw out the word requiem, you know what I mean? Uh, usually the last movement of a requiem blows because that's when the spirit goes to heaven and you're just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Happy, 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 blah, 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 blah. Go to heaven. Okay. Fly away, angel. And, and the levers has that, uh, one together tonight. Part of it. It is. Like, yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we, we talked about, you know, the tension when the rock and roll band is stuck at home and they don't want to be at home and they're waiting for the phone to ring. But you know, we're all going to be one tonight. I would have chopped off that last movement, but that's fine. Well, and, and huh. you know, it's, I, I find, I find it interesting because the levers is probably, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say it's my favorite, but it's, it's certainly one of my favorites, but it's, it's also the song that I sort of, understood latched on to got into last and 
you know, I, I do agree, you know, and here again, you know, Ken, you're talking about um, Wake Up and Music, and, you know, much like living in fear is almost a, a better expression of, you know, what, you know, Gaza tried to be, this is also, a, as you said, a better expression and perhaps a little bit better presentation of what they tried to do in Montreal. And so, you know, here again, they're 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 honing the way that they can present the message and everything else, and and it it does really set the stage. And it's you know, while as as fantastic and upbeat as Wake Up and Music is, it really does you know it, it it's such a, a a stark presentation then of the other facets of that. That you know it, it is a little bit down, and I wonder. And again, I don't know. We don't talk to these guys. Um, the one tonight part, you know, I go back to that little clip that we played from from the live performance of Brave, when Hogar says, you know, we're mixing down the album. We're like, Jesus, that's bleak. We need to put something at the end of it. Uh, you know, I almost wonder. Yeah. Given you know, given given my cynical perspective of life, it's almost like, well, shit. We can't leave the story be like this. Let's make it. Let's make it happy because I still have to go home at the end of all of this. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You, you know, even even if that may not be the reality, you know, because it it it, it does almost seem a little contrived given the utter realism of everything else that they're presenting. And again, given my cynical view of life and, and, you know, maybe, maybe Hogarth is a better person than me. And maybe, maybe at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the positive message of living in fear comes from someone who can say, you know what? I love being in a band and sometimes it sucks to be home and sometimes I just don't care and I want to go away. But at the same time, you know, these people mean so much to me and I have to remind myself, but I can do it. And we can have this sort of unity. Maybe that's true. I don't know. Mm, you know mm. I, maybe, I tell you what, I love it. I love it all. I, it's, it's just great. Are you going to bleep <laughs> out like bad words? Like, <laughs> no. Awesome. Are you gonna bleep out fucking, or is no. this gonna be like an explicit on the on the on the label? We're gonna take Listen, the explicit. This stuff, this song is so amazing. Can you said it in in the other episode? Like it is just, and and I I did not get into this song right away because I was the, when I saw the title, the levers. My mind immediately went to Daniel Quinn, his novels, Ishmael and the story of B. And he's got this whole thing about levers. And I was all geared up for like that kind of stuff. And it just took me a long time. But it was it was having it was making pancakes one weekend where I was listening to this. And I was in the midst of the Ken Gregory. I'm just listening to one song for, you know, the whole day. And I just kept listening to this song. And, you know, he gets you know, I know you know that I pray for the phone call that takes me away. Oh, I'm is that, that line not just killer? 
It's amazing. And then and then the last line before the the fifth segment or the the you know the happy part that you say is we won't be much use to you dead. Right? But and like and so a couple things. So one tonight where this last part where he talks about, you know, they arrive and the remainers are leaving their homes to come to the show. They're all excited and 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 we all come together. We're all one tonight, right? And and yeah, it's like, okay, that's what it's all about, right? That's what it's all for. But I don't know that it's because it's we all we come together, we come together, and then and then the last line, the last lines are there are scars in our eyes from a thousand goodbyes. That was great. You can write, but I won't reply. I won't reply. Because here's the fucking lever. It's just, yeah. I think the whole thing is brilliant. It, it is just awesome. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. Oh, wow. And, and, and the other thing is, like, if you think about that, I remember we had kind of, I think we kind of talked that H was, a, like, maybe disappointed in the, Joe, your, your video went blank on the other screen. Does that mean, oh, now you're blank. Uh-oh. It, it comes and goes. Tapping to the video. I, I think we, we talked that H was a little disappointed maybe in the involvement and enthusiasm of the Philadelphia crowd when we saw them. <laughs> at, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Listening to that live show, he said, does everyone have their drinks and ice creams? Okay, good. Now <laughs> shut the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> right. And like, to be a part of that and and I think it went over a lot of our heads. Oh wait, did they actually do Leavers? I know they did Elder no, Brothers. No, they did And they did New King. They, they, they did, did not do Leavers. They did not do the Leavers. No, it was it was the one long, long song they didn't do. But but this is interesting. Come on. What? Really? Really, they didn't do it. I thought they did yeah. too, Paul. I really thought they did until I downloaded the that blip. Nope. Huh. No, they did not, because the levers. I I think literally, I had just started to get into the levers before that show, and it was the one I was kind of waiting for. And I was like, "Oh, they didn't do that. That's huh. a bummer." But but project ahead because at this point, I think there are, you know, barring some major you know i think there are there are, as i sit here and think about it there are now three three circumstances that are going to get me more likely than not to another meridian weekend and that is if they perform marbles sounds that can't be made or fear so and and before i take us home i as i was letting the dogs out and whatnot i was thinking about you know the lever section and, and I, I have to admit, um, I hadn't picked up on the fact that the one tonight actually involves the Remainers coming to see the Leavers perform, which really just makes that, uh, and, I'm, I, you know, again, you we already had this moment, but it that is just, you know, talk about brain exploding. I'm like, holy crap. And that really does sort of 
keep the overall theme going. And it, boy, what a powerful illustration of sort of the, I don't know, I don't know. It, it just seems so self-centered on the fact of the levers, you know, that, that yeah. the way they get their happiness is to have the remainders come into their world when the, the levers feel such discontent when they go into the remainders world. That's, oh, that's really something. So, you know, really when, and, and having sort of that as the final piece of all of this, um, you know, I, I, I have, I have an even greater appreciation for this album now than I did even, you know, two hours ago, which is, mm-hmm. is really something, you know, quite impressive. And, and yeah, Paul, it, it'll be interesting, you know, as we, as we do this podcast and, and whatnot, and hopefully we'll have the ability to sort of come back um, and, and visit various things in, in different ways to see sort of and, and even you know, where where this album winds up um, sort of charting in, in the Marillion catalog. And, and I think it's going to be, you know, pretty, pretty high. And, and it, again, it, it goes back to, and I'm fascinated by this idea of Marillion because you know, they they have these periods of of sort of germination, and then something beautiful comes out of it. That's in a lot of ways, you know, the perfect expression of what they're trying to do. Or it's in some ways, it's it's a it's a game changer or whatever. And and then they go into a different period, and they they germinate something different. And then that blossoms into something spectacular. And and so you have these sort of, you know, periods where, you know, maybe there's some things you like, maybe there's some things you don't like, and then there's something that just fries your brain. And then they do it again, and then something else fries your brain. And, you know, I think fear was, was the brain fryer for where we are right now. And, you know, that being said, I am excited now even more so to see where things go from here. Um, and, you know, I guess I'll give them a little bit of a leash because, you know, we can expect two, three, or four albums that, you know, maybe maybe they're not exactly what we were wanting, um, but Marillion has certainly shown themselves to, to have the ability to sort of continue to grow and evolve and... and you know, I know there's going to be a payoff somewhere down the road, which is yeah. is good to look forward to. And, yeah, you know, I you know it's it's great that you said that, Joe, because I I am thinking through this process of going through all of these albums, and I've listened to things that frankly I've never listened to before, and I've given things second, third, fourth, fifth, however many chances um, that I. Probably, if we were not doing this, I wouldn't have. And I've gotten such a greater deep, a greater appreciation for all of the stuff that definitely the next, the next uh, recording that comes out, even if the first time I listen to it, it 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 hits me the way sounds that can't be made 
hits me, <laughs> I, I'll keep keep on it and I'll keep listening to it because there is going to be a payoff in there. You know, yeah, it's just impatience. That's all. Well, you know, I think uh, I think we're we're allowed that too. I, I had um, I had something else that sort of sat over top of this, and and now I can't remember what on earth it it was, but. Hopefully it will uh, it will come to me by the time we come back and we can um, record our little preamble. So, you know, again, if there's something that pops up in the next, you know, week or however long it takes us to uh, to reconvene and start the uh, the yes segment, which, you know, I'm I'm excited to do that as well for different reasons. Um, you know, it, it as as Ken alluded to earlier. It, that is a is a completely different experience, um, and, and the interesting thing about you know the Marillion is in a lot of ways. You know, I know we came into it late, but but certainly I think our appreciation of Marillion grew up in the Hogarth era. The the the, the Fish era was was limited, but it was already in place by the time we got here, and. And so we've, you know, we've been with with Steve Hogarth through this journey with him, um, which is interesting. Now, yes is a different thing because, you know, yes, there was already so much that yes had done when we got into them, and we weren't even, you know, mentally prepared to understand half of what they had done when we did get into it and you know so that the experiences and and the way we remember those albums is going to be different and i think that will be uh you know a sort of a fun change of pace as we as we move forward um sort of looking forward to that so what i was saying was we're i think we need to bring the fish reviews in closer in, in the original schedule, they were out like a year, a year and a half. Yeah. And, and I think we need to bring them in a little bit closer um, so that we can, we can start to explore that. But there's a lot of the Fish catalog that, quite frankly, I have not given a whole lot of time or attention to. And so yeah. I think there's, there's going to be a certain element of discovery in that which I'm I'm looking forward to. So we'll see where that takes us. Mm. But um but yeah, I, I definitely think that that fear is um is one of those payoff albums and it is certainly a reason that I think would give me significant um reason to consider going to a full blown Merlion weekend. So or 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 a cruise to the edge. It can't be. It can't really be levers at cruise to the edge, can they? <laughs> they really playing. can't. They're kind of stuck at that point. Hmm. Unless they got to stay on the cruise, I think. Unless they helicopter, yeah. right? That's right. All right, and I don't know if you guys get the uh, the emails, but cruise to the edge is eighty percent sold out already. So I don't think we're going to get our podcast field trip onto. Uh, onto the cruise ship next year. So, Sounds like there's 20, 20% capacity left. What's wrong with that? Well, yeah, you want to sit in the bottom of the boat? I don't know that that's what I want to do. 
unless all the really expensive suites aren't sold and uh, we can live the high life. That would be cool. Hmm. Uh, maybe we should check that out a little bit more closely then before it gets all sold out. <laughs> you guys crack me up. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed having the conversation and sharing it with you. If you would like to send us some thoughts or comments or questions or whatever, we would love to hear from you. We are available on most social media outlets. We are on Twitter, at Progpala. We are on Facebook and Instagram, both of those at Progressive Palaver. We are also available via email, progpala, P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel, um, at Progressive Palaver. And the podcasts themselves are obviously available on um, both iTunes and Google Play. And if you're on SoundCloud, you can find us there as well. So we, um, once again, thank you. And look forward to the next time when we will finish up our discussion on Marillion. And then after that, we will move on to Yes. Yes.